Amen. The Bible says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness, beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the side of the north, the city of the great king. Church, we've met to worship and adore the Lord our God. He is worthy of our worship. Amen. He's worthy of our praise. <clears throat> Let me just say a word. Have you ever uh, done something and you knew you were going to get in trouble for doing it, but you did it anyway? And so Pastor mentioned uh, that I worked with uh, Water's Edge. She used to be the Baptist Foundation. And I'm going to get in trouble for this. She's already mad at me. But Tamara Hill, one of our employees, is here today. She's a rock star in what we do. And we, we appreciate uh, Tamara being here. We're going to be here this afternoon talking to you about who's your one, paying it forward. Indeed, some of our crew is here. Uh, the Selvies, part of the Selvies are here. And my brother-in-law, I'll talk more about him in a minute. And uh, Amy, and then my wife, Pam, I'd love for you to meet her sometime. So speaking of my brother-in-law, have you ever been to one of these family <laughs> events like Christmas or Thanksgiving? And there's one piece of pie left. You know, so we usually have this stuff at our house. And so there's this piece of pie left and everyone knows, here's an old school term, but I have dibs on it. Do you know what that means? I mean, everyone knows the last piece of pie is supposed to be for me. And I come in there and somebody has taken the last piece of coconut cream pie. And I say in my heart, where is the missing piece of pie? In the world of discipleship, God has called us to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And so there's this pie-shaped paradigm that we have in becoming a follower of Jesus. We go north, that's in prayer. We go south, that's in the word. We have evangelism to the side. We have fellowship. And that constitutes the discipleship pie. However, I believe there is, here it is, there's a missing piece of the pie. There's a missing piece of the pie. And I don't believe that we have taught our churches through the years that the missing piece of the discipleship pie is stewardship. Indeed, it's stewardship. So I'm not sure. I know I'm younger than about everybody here, but uh, if not everyone's going to get this, and that's kind of the way I roll. But how many of you would know a group called the Red Hot Chili Peppers? Anybody? We were going to have Pastor come up and do some head banging, and and I think he would be good for it. I'm not sure. So the Red. <laughs> The Red Hot Chili Peppers had one of their lines in their songs. I listen to it from a quiet time every morning. It's like this. Give it away. Give it away. Give it away. All right. Come on, Pastor. Yeah. Can you just... Exactly. He's over there doing the funky chicken. All right. Give it away. That is, that is the pie. That is the missing piece of the discipleship pie that we're going to be talking about this afternoon and we're going to talk about this morning. And, and it's really why people like Tamara and myself come alongside folks so that we can help them give it away, give it away, give it away. Take your Bible, uh, please, and we're going to read uh, really a part of the greatest sermon ever preached. 
It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And I know you might be thinking, I'm going to preach about the Sermon on the Mount. But it's really not about that today. It's really about management. It's about being a steward. And so do you have that part of your Bible there? Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm going to read verse 13 and following. Matthew chapter 6, verses 13 and following. Where the Bible says, Do not store up for yourself treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Skip down to verse 24, where the Bible says, no one can serve two masters, either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is the word of God for the people of God, for the glory of God. So we're looking today at the subject, the foundation of generosity, the foundation of stewardship. So today I have five premises, premises, five statements that are going to be included in the sermon. They won't be on the screen. If you like to write, you could write it down, but only write it down if you want to remember it. Uh, Here we go. Five things. Number one, God owns everything and allows me to manage some of his wealth, the principle of ownership. Number two, I can't take treasure with me, but I can send it on ahead. There's an old lame preacher story, kind of a dad joke, where you see a hearse with a U-Haul being pulled behind it. No, you don't see that because you can't take it with you. Number three, my heart abides where I invest my money. We'll talk about that. Number four, I honor God when I give back to him the first and the best. And I love, love, love this last one. The antidote for materialism is the joyful cycle of giving and receiving that you will give again to put back in circulation for the economy of the kingdom of God. So I want to begin today by sharing with you, there's some crazy thinking that goes on today concerning the theology of generosity. So theology, ology means study, theo means God, the the study of God or the doctrine of God. Don't be afraid of that word. The word doctrine simply means truth taught. So the truth taught about generosity, there's some crazy ones out. One of them is called poverty theology. Uh, I, I kind of have a Catholic background, and this is really a big deal in Catholic churches. Uh, it's also called liberation theology. Uh, if you want to assign it to a person, uh, St. Francis of Assisi. Remember that guy? He's a very rich guy. And, and, or uh, David Platt has written a book that a lot of people like and where he encourages you to, to take everything you have and sell it and give it to the poor. And do you know Jesus taught that? 
one time, the rich young ruler who, who had a problem with his wealth. And so Jesus said, hey, my man, you got a problem here. So you need to sell everything and you need to give it to the poor. So the idea of poverty theology says this. Come, come here. God loves the poor more than the rich. But there's another crazy view out, and that's called prosperity theology. And prosperity theology says, you know, you can name it and claim it and you can blab it and grab it and you can have what you say in Christ Jesus today. And, and, and I mean, God wants you to be fabulously wealthy. And may I tell you, I don't have a real problem with that, except that it's all about who owns it in the first place. And can we demand that God make us fabulously wealthy? So you got poverty theology, liberation theology, St. Francis of Assisi, you have prosperity theology. And this is typified by name and claim it. And this would be about anyone you see on TV, unless the pastor's on TV. But, you, you know, a lot of these prototypical evangelists, it takes so much to stay on the air that, that they kind of just, you know, that they get into this deal. So poverty theology assumes God loves the poor more than the rich. Prosperity theology assumes God loves the rich more than the poor. But proper theology says this. Now, come on in here. God owns it all. And he has called us to be managers or stewards over that which he owns. And the truth is, God will allow you to have as much stuff as he can trust you to put back in circulation for his kingdom's sake. Take your Bible there. And we're going to allow our fingers today on our Bible conference all day long we're going to allow our fingers to do the walking through the pages of life and just expose what the scripture says to us and what it has to teach us today. So there's some observations. And the first observation from our text is that a life of generosity brings caution. It brings caution. Look at the very first verse. Do not. That's, that's the caution, cautionary tale. Do not. Store up for yourself treasure on earth. That's the caution. The context of the caution is that treasure is not just money. Because if you go around the world, you find that not everybody has money. Also, if you go around the world, you find that prosperity theology doesn't really work in third world countries. Hello? And so what constitutes our treasure? It could be our children. It could be our vocation. It could be our avocation. It could be things that, that we esteem and value as significant in our life. The context of the caution. Treasure is anything that is precious to us. So what is the text saying to us? The text is saying, pay it forward. I've never had this happen to me, but I would love to go through a drive-through line. Which those who know me, Tamara, I, I, I eat about eight meals out a week, and so I drew. And I'm always waiting for someone to say, 
oh, the joker in front of you just paid for your meal. Seriously, has anyone ever had that? I think, I think that's so cool, don't you? And you go, what? And it kind of makes you want to pay for the person behind. No? <laughs> yeah. It, but receiving gives us an impetus to want to be a giver. Now, what have we received and what is the character of God? Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he, he gave. We serve a giving God, which should make us want to also be givers in our life. I love what Proverbs says in Proverbs 23, verse 5, where the Bible says, Cast but a glance at your riches, and they are gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly. So what are earthly riches? Well, it's anything tangible. If you want to look at verse 25, verse 32, I love, and I love the worship today. Uh, those of you that, that led us, I, I really worshiped. And what it causes us to do is to, to think on eternal, significant things. So come on in here. What in your mind would really constitute something of eternal significance? Most things are pretty temporal, right? Well, I'm going to blow your mind. There's only two things that are of eternal significance, and that's the souls of men and women and boys and girls. Can I get a witness? Yeah. And the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. And those are the only things that stand the test of time, that do not rust, that do not gather moss, that do not go away. And so there's this life of generosity and the caution it gives us. But the second observation today is that a life of generosity brings a challenge in verses 19 and 20 as well. Look at 20, but that's a contrast, a conjunction, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. And so don't store it up on earth, but pay it forward. And that's what our Bible conference is about today, how that we can invest in things that matter. And so I love this church. Now, we've moved to northeastern Oklahoma, but if I lived here, I would join this church today. I would submit myself to that pastor because you all are investing in the future. Who's your one? You are investing, you are paying it forward by attempting to invest the gospel in the only thing, two things that matter, souls of men and women and boys and girls and the word of God. So there's a challenge, this rust, moth, and, and thieves come in. So either, either these temporal things, this is, this is good, either these temporal things, they leave us while we live or they leave us when we die. But either way, it's toast. It's history. It's it's small time thing. Now, I, I know I'm looking out here. This is a pretty sophisticated group. I mean, pretty erudite. And you all probably don't watch TV very much, but your pastor does. And, and I know he does. You know, he fancies himself a pretty good fantasy football player. You need to ask him about that. He's got a trophy. He, he had it made. 
with his name on it. All right? So, <laughs> just speak the truth in Christian love. So I know Pastor Bill, he'll watch a little TV. I watch a little TV. I watch too much, perhaps. But there's a station called A&E. And A&E has a show called Hoarders. And I'm just telling you, I can't even watch a full episode. You know what I'm talking about? Newspapers from the floor to the ceiling, from the wall to the walls. I mean, they've got like 15 cats running around and the whole house is a litter box. Hello? I mean, you can like smell it through the TV. Well, on the preface of this show, and I'm going to read this directly, they write this. Hoarders... Hoarding is a compulsive hoarding is a mental disorder marked by an obsessive need to acquire and keep things even if the terms are worthless, hazardous, or unsanitary. And so when someone lives oftentimes alone in a house, paper floor to the ceiling, cats running everywhere, we think they're a little bit cray cray, right? Come on. However, if someone accumulates more than they need to impress people they don't even like while their city is going to hell and people are dying of poverty and they're gathering stuff, we call them successful and put them on the cover of Forbes magazine and say, yo, that's a role model. So there's a difference in this idea of hoarding when we have more than we need. I wish we had a lot of time, Pastor. I'd love to tell how that I think many of us struggle. Can I, can I just do one? They've got all these clocks here. And by the way, as in my age, I don't hear very well and I don't see very well. So I don't know what that means. But... <laughs> I simply want you to know that there's so much stuff that we can acquire. So we just moved, the wife and I, and so we did a lot of, this is a great word, we jettisoned. We got rid of a lot of crud, and we just got rid of it. And it's amazing how that I still have more clothes than my wife. But, but the fact is, we got, rid, we got rid of a bunch of stuff, and I haven't really missed any of it. Here's the point. Earthly treasures don't last. Here's the second point. Heavenly treasures don't end. You know what realtors say? And help me here on the third one. It's all about location, location, location. Concerning houses. That's the same thing with treasure. What is the location of where we put our treasure? Do we put our treasure in some myopic, selfish uh, endeavor? Or do we put it in a location where we send it forward? I, I think of this church. And Pastor was a youth minister here. You know, he's a rock star. Everyone knew about Bill Hulse for years. And, and I remember the church when you were at the other location. And, and do you know that unless some people had paid it forward, we would never have this wonderful facility with 
that annex out there. And, and one day I longed when we need to build the building to connect the two. And, and, and it would have never happened had not some people had the foresight to pay it forward. So, Pastor and his fantasy football league trophy that he bought. Uh, football people are going to know this. What's this mean right here? We're in the fourth quarter. Okay? We're at the two-minute warning of the sermon. Okay? Some of you are going to love that. But the last observation is that a life of generosity brings choices. And so skip all the way down to verse 24. No one can serve two masters. You can't serve two masters. Here we go. In the fourth quarter, I just want you to know straight up, you have a choice. And so I, I, I love music, and this would have been before many of you all, but if you've ever listened to Bob Dylan, did you? Well, Bob Dylan has been through a lot of different times in his life. And one time he wrote, uh, he did a Christian album. It's called Long Train Coming. You might remember it. Pretty old. And, and on this long, long train coming, he, he wrote this. Should, I shouldn't do that. My wife's here. I get in trouble every time I try to do this thing. But he said, you've got to serve somebody. It might be the devil or it might be the Lord but you got to serve somebody. And so we kind of have to choose. The Bible says, choose you this day whom you will serve. And so our choice determines our destination, temporary things or eternal things. And then the last thing I want to share with you, but that doesn't mean I'm toward the end of the sermon, by the way. Uh, This is how you know if you're laying your treasure up ahead or not. I'm just going to give some rhetorical questions. Rhetorical question, you don't have to answer. Don't elbow anyone. Don't give them this look, but here you go. Do you throw a fit if there's something you want and can't have? Sulking, anger? Or do you see yourself as a pilgrim passing through this world as a steward, as a manager of that which is God's? Do you seek to justify what you want and to go into heavy debt to get it just because someone else has that new ride? Or do you appreciate having your personal needs met? Are you quick to serve your personal desires or are you quick to serve someone else's desires? The last verse says God, talks about God and mammon. So I don't know uh, if you've uh, traveled much, but there was a time in our life that we took a lot of groups to Israel, to the Holy Land. And uh, I think we've been there, doesn't matter, but seven times. Who's counting? And there's a place that they take everyone to. It's a beautiful place. You go out on this lake. It's called the Sea of Galilee. And this lake is fed by all these tributaries that bring this fresh water from mountains. And, and they fish there. They have these 
uh, indigenous fish to the area called St. Peter's fish. And you go out on a boat and you do some fake fishing. You're really not fishing, but it's, you cast the nets like they would have back in the day. And you sing some songs. I mean, you do all this Jewish stuff. It's just great. Sorry, I did that one. And you're out on the Sea of Galilee and it's so clean and beautiful and fresh. But if you go 80 miles to the south, there's another body of water. It's the lowest place on the earth. And all the water's filled with magnesium. Oh, by the way, it's the same water that came from the mountains, that came to the Sea of Galilee, that went to the Dead Sea. And then there's this little river connecting the two. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called the Jordan River. Jesus hung out there sometime. And so this water from this Springfield area goes to the Jordan River, to the lowest place in the earth with all this magnesium. And it's, it's, it's such a nasty place. I mean, you wouldn't die if you drank it, but you would wish you were dead. And you see people, you see pictures, they're floating on it. They're reading the newspaper. You put this mud all over you. I mean, it's just a kind of a neat place, but it's really nasty. Now, what's the difference? The Sea of Galilee has that which is brought in and it gives it away. The Dead Sea receives from the Jordan River and it stays right there. I'm going to get in trouble for this, but the Dead Sea Christian is like the person that has spiritual constipation. They bring it in and no exodus. The healthy Christian is that which brings in and gives out. God help us to be Sea of Galilee Christians who receive and give. And God wants us to, and that's why we're looking at who's your one. It's like the gospel. Many of you have received the gospel, and you have a responsibility and a charge and a commission to give it away, the gospel. That's why pastor's leading us to determine who our one is. I just wonder today, would you be considered a Sea of Galilee Christian or a Dead Sea Christian? Or maybe you're here today without Christ. Good news. Our pastors are going to be here in a minute, and they're going to walk you through what it means to become a fully devoted follower of Christ. And what we're going to do today is we're going to find out that missing piece of the pie all day long the peace of stewardship. Let's stand together. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the gospel. Lord, I thank you that you have called us to be fully devoted followers of yours. And as we enter into this time of invitation, may we come to the place in our lives where we walk in your spirit that we would not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, in just a moment, I'm going to conclude the prayer and we're going to have some music and the pastoral team is going to be down here. Let me be straight with you. There's a reason we ask you to come to the altar because in the Bible, the altar is the place of sacrifice. So we're essentially asking you to come and die. Die to yourself, die to your ambitions, die to your greed. And allow one of our team to pray with you concerning what obedience means. To come to Christ as Savior, to partner with this church in membership, I would do it in a minute. Uh, maybe you want someone to, to talk with you about how you can walk through this area of forgiveness in your own life. So I'm going to conclude the prayer and we're going to sing and then you come. Take one of the pastors and let them pray with you. Father, Abba, Daddy, may your will, nothing more, nothing less, be accomplished today. In Jesus' name, amen.